Through the mouth and the mind of Gregor Paul, New Zealand Herald rugby writer, we are joined now as we look ahead to what I don't know how to describe this match coming up. It has got so much around it, Gregor. It really has good, bad, and different, ugly. This is Test match football, arguably at its best, with so much on the line, so much stress and tension around it. How's the energy over there, mate? And welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Uh, look, it, it, it's it's a wee bit hard to tell uh, because people are a wee bit um, uh, isolated, I suppose, or keeping themselves to themselves as they did last week. Uh, I think there's a feeling here. I, I, I can't believe inside the camp that they're not aware of the possibility that this is the last game for the head coach and a few others and potentially a few senior players might be a wee bit worried about you know what what happens next. There could be a new coach coming next week, and not everybody in the squad this week could be there next week type thing. So look, I think everybody be aware of that, uh, but also they're also conscious of the fact that they're off to Ellis Park, and uh, you know they encountered a really intimidating environment in Mandela, and it will be it will be more intimidating here in Johannesburg. So look, there's a sort of whole mismatch of. Um, of emotion going on here in terms of could this be the last game? Doesn't matter if we win, lose, or draw. Is that going to change anything? And underlying all that, there'll be a phenomenal amount of uh, pride in the team that they'll be conscious that they don't want Ellis Park to turn into a graveyard for them. Will there be a hint in what may or may not happen to Foster with the naming of this team, i.e. if they do the Hollywood moment, as you wrote, and suddenly there are changes right across the board. Would that suggest that your oil was right and he is in serious trouble? Uh, I, I mean, I think my oil was right, Darcy, and I don't think it's really my own oil by now. I think it's a sort of shared petroleum that the whole country is running <laughs> off at the moment, so I can't really, uh, can't really claim any credit for that. Um, look, I think they, they need to make changes because they keep losing. They need to make changes because they've probably got one or two injuries. We're not sure about the health state of uh, the two, uh, of Borden and Jordy Barrett. I think Borden will be fine. Not sure about Jordy. They need to make changes because I think that there needs to be a recognition that tactically, technically, they're just not getting it right. The field hasn't fired. Um, the shape of the back three didn't look quite right. They were struggling under the high ball. Is the loose trio the right one? I mean, you can keep going. But look, clearly they need to keep tinkering with the chest pieces here uh, to keep moving them around a wee bit until they find some kind of connection in the midfield or they or they get the right setup. Because look, Ian Foster is adamant, or, and a few of the players have been as well this week, that they feel they're not that far away. From, from finding the groove, from clicking, from the ball sticking in hands and, you know, the, the game going their way a little bit more than it has. So they're just shiggling around a wee bit um, in the hope that somehow, it's like the Rubik's Cube, you know, you, you, you twist it around and suddenly you see how it might work all together and that's kind of where they're at at the moment. But there's no real control, is there, as far as they, they, they keep changing ideas. So how do you know we're going to get improvement if they keep changing these players and swapping them around? It seems a bit like... Well, it's a bit of a punt, isn't it, really? Well, it's a lot of a punt. <laughs> and look, you know, we're probably we're in the position that we are, uh, probably here in the last chance saloon very much because of that. Look, we haven't, we haven't. well, maybe there has been one, but it doesn't look from the outside that there's been a, a strategic plan and how, we're gonna, how they're going to bring younger guys into the team to start putting pressure on the older guys. 
it doesn't feel like there's been um, a really clear vision on on how they they want the attack game to work, and therefore, you know, we went and test one against Ireland. We had Scott Barrett a lock at blindside worked really well. Attacked the Irish set piece, particularly the lineout, got a bit of heft in the scrum, big ball carrier in the middle of the field. It really subdued the Irish, and they won the test. Following week, um, Sam Whitelock I think was a unavailable so they moved Barrett back into lock and end up with three open sides in their back row couldn't compete at the lineout couldn't compete physically across the park you're taking a quantum jump in thinking from one week to the next I mean that that to me was I argued during that week keep keep Scott Barrett at six bring Tupu Vai into the team and, and keep your um your three locks on the park but now we we we, we jump straight back to three open sides doesn't make any sense and there hasn't been a kind of logical consideration of selection, you know, continuity of thinking um, for quite some time now. A, a real throw of the dice would be the biggest, well, what would be the biggest for you? I mean, you look at that selection, what would really open your eyes? Would it be Roger Tuivasa Sheik at, at second 5-8? What, what kind of move do you think would shock the world that is a possibility? <laughs> well, I mean, a few, of the, a few of the media here have been chatting about that. You know, we've been sort of having side bets about what's the craziest thing you can imagine happening this week. Look, uh, it, 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 I mean, it, we've reached the point where it's almost impossible to guess. Um, Roger Tuvasashek, look, could be. Uh, he, he was ejected onto the bench for debut in the third test against Ireland. I, I just, I think if that's the big crazy play, it, it's, I can't see it being one to particularly work. He's playing against a super physical uh, South African number 12 and Damien de Alondi, who, and, and look, Roger's a tough guy, but he hasn't really nailed the defensive angle yet that he needs to play when he's a 12 in, in rugby union. So that would seem crazy to me to, to go there, but you never know. I mean, the thing I think might happen, um, Lester Fanganuku coming in to the midfield at centre is potentially something that to, to look out for. He's a big unit. Um, struggled against Ireland on the wing, but look, he's a good player. Um, he just gives the ability to, if nothing else is on, hit him up on a on a short ball and have him just thump into people and go forward at least. So there's an idea. Uh, possibly Bowden Barrett at fullback, maybe. Is that crazy? We've seen it before. Um, but that, that would be one other idea. Um, I can't really see where else the crazy craziness could come. Perhaps if he's fit, Jordy Barrett at number 12. I mean, that's what I would be thinking. I would want to do. I would, I've actually been thinking I'd be playing Jordy there anyway. Um, and I would have done it against Ireland in Test 1. But I don't know if he's fit. So, look, Darcy, we could... I mean, it's, it's a crazy situation. We, we could see uh, some real unexpected decisions being made. And of course, you're kind of blind, aren't you? Because they're still basically in that siege mentality. Do you guys have any idea? Do you peer through the fence? Do you get a wee look? Can you? What can you glean from the current setup, if anything? Nothing. No, you can't peer through the fence because there is no fence to peer through uh, the way it's operating. And there's some sort of heavy-duty-looking ex-South African SAS officers who gladly stick a, something in your eye if you were poking it through a fence trying to get a sneaky look. So, uh, look, it's, we're, we're operating completely in the dark. We're, a lot of what we're building here is sort of educated guesswork about you know, where you could go and what you could do because we know who they've got with them. 
so now look, this is all entirely guesswork and probably shouldn't admit that because you um, listeners will be thinking, Jeepers, what's the point of sending this guy out there if he can only guess at what's happening? But that, that's kind of what, what we've been left with at the moment. We're not really getting a, a, a good connection with the personnel, put it that way. That's that's irresponsible, reckless at worst, is it not? I, I, I can't quite get over that attitude from the All Blacks, shutting themselves off to everybody, the, the media that have chosen to travel over there to cover this, to, to be that conduit to the fan base. That Nothing's changed there. That's oh, it's probably not surprising when you look at the last couple of months, but it's it's not great. Look, it, it, it shouldn't really matter what, what's happening in terms of win, lose or draw. This is pro sport. And, you know, your fans don't run for the hills because you're losing. They still want to know what's happening. In fact, probably more than ever, they want to know what's happening. So to kind of go dark and uh, radio silence is, I mean, look, it's it's a lack of maturity. It's a lack of understanding about how pro sport works. To me, there's obviously a disconnect there between the team and the executive in the rugby union who've just uh, signed off on a massive private equity deal, uh, which which is built into the idea that they need to find you know, more fans and more engagement and give more access to the team to build a, you know, a, a more profitable, financially lucrative brand. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a complete disconnect going on there. And look, you've, you've just got to front. You know, things aren't going well. The players are good. When they, when they are available, they come out and they front and they talk honestly about the disappointment, how they're working hard to try to fix it. They're not bullshitting anyone. But, uh, you know, I think the management team really just need to be capable of saying, you know, standing there and saying, look, this isn't really working. We're doing what we can. We're trying to shake things around a little bit Uh, and and keep talking to the public, keep the media closer, keep them inside the tent rather than outside, because when you put them outside, uh, it creates an element of we have to make things up. Uh, I don't mean that ridiculously, but we have to kind of, do a little bit of guesswork, a little bit of speculative writing, a little bit of opinion writing to, to get around the fact that we don't know for sure what's happening. And given you know what we see on a, on a Saturday afternoon, that's all we can judge the team on. So, you know, it, it doesn't end up in a pretty or healthy situation. But my feeling here is we're reaching the nadir. Ellis Park will probably be the, the moment in time where after that game, uh, I think we'll be looking at significant change across the organisation. 